Our first scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 51, which as I mentioned, we heard uh, a version of that from our Motet choir earlier. Listen for God's word to us now. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God you will not despise. Here ends our psalm. Our New Testament reading for this morning comes to us from the seventh chapter of the Gospel of Mark, beginning at the first verse. Listen for God's holy word. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of the disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with unclean hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he said to him, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever speaks evil of father and mother must surely die. But you say that Anyone tells father and mother whatever support you might have had come to me is Corbin, that is an offering, longer permit doing anything for a father and mother, thus making void the word of God through your tradition that has been handed on. And you do many things like this. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, listen to me, all of you. the house, his disciples asked him about this riddle. He said to them, then do you also fail to understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person cannot defile, since it enters not the heart but the stomach and goes to the sewer? 
Thus he declared all foods clean. Within the human heart that evil intentions come, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Well, with the Lenten season commencing next week and spring only a month away, my thoughts turn to giving up things, quite literally. This is the time of year my husband Rob and I start culling through our accumulated clutter, and we load up the car bound for St. Vincent de Paul's drop-off, or we call Love 8 to pick up the things we no longer need like that dusty old tortilla press we dreamed of using for an authentic Southwestern dinner party. Or the size two pants I've been keeping with the hopes that if I just do enough buns of steel exercises, I will eventually squeeze into them. Yeah, right, I think it was high school the last time I wore that size. Or the foosball table that just doesn't have the same appeal as it did when we had soccer playing competitive twin boys under our roof, flipping those levers as fast as they could and staring down their opponents. Every time I clean out the house of unnecessary objects and pass them on to someone I hope really does need them, I feel almost virtuous. And if I get to that deeper level of cleaning, the forbidden junk drawers, the file cabinet, the storage room, the overstuffed closets, then I have almost a smug feeling of self-righteousness. Purging and passing it on feels great. And it is necessary unless you want to be on a hoarder show. And in fact, our Earth Care team will be encouraging you to declutter and participate in our Lenten recycling program. But as good as it feels, and as necessary as it is, Jesus had a very different idea about what it means to be clean and righteous or in right relationship with God and neighbor. You will remember two weeks ago, I preached about Jesus healing a woman with a hemorrhage and Jesus healing Jairus's dead daughter. He challenged society's ideas about what is clean and unclean. He went so far as to even reject and violate traditional purity laws by compassionately touching and healing a menstruating woman, a corpse, even lepers. He associated with Samaritans and ate with sinners and tax collectors alike. But in our story for today, he goes even further. He reformulates the very idea of purity. The conversation begins what seems to be over a trivial point. Some Pharisees and scribes notice that Jesus' disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. Mark pauses to explain to his primarily Gentile audience the Jewish custom. He says, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands. So Jesus' disciples are violating this tradition of the elders. His ex explanation 
is curiously only partly true. Jewish priests did carefully wash their hands before eating holy food in temple rituals. And maybe perhaps some extra strict Pharisees wanted to extend this practice to the consumption of all food, but it never was the practice of all Jews. Perhaps Mark is exaggerating to make a point, but whatever the reason, Jesus reveals that they're all concerned over the wrong thing. The outer appearance of cleanliness and righteousness while missing the far more important observance of the Ten Commandments, which leads to inner cleanliness and right relationship. Jesus denounces the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and scribes, saying they follow the traditions of their elders, the very detailed application of various laws that had developed over time, while losing sight of the basic commandments God has given the people of Israel. The example Jesus gives is the Corbin, an oath in which one dedicated some item of one's property to the temple. This was a way to fulfill one of the Ten Commandments to honor one's father and mother. So if one's parents were in financial distress, a pious Jew should sell some of the property to help them out. Remember, in this time, there was no social security. Children were expected to support their parents in old age. If you wanted to game the system and avoid your obligation, you could dedicate property to the temple and have it go into effect after your death. Then you'd have an excuse. Oh gosh, mom and dad, I really wish I could help you, but all of my property is tied up in commitments to the temple. And worse than that, if you were an even more self-serving schemer, you could figure out how to keep property not only from your parents, but from the priests and scribes as well. And Jesus concludes with a zinger. He says, and you do many things like this. And in case you don't understand his indictment, he spells it out plainly, saying, Listen, there is nothing outside of a person that can defile or make them dirty or unclean in God's sight. But it's the things that come out of the human heart that defile. Jesus is not so much rejecting specific purity laws, but the entire idea that purity means keeping a safe distance from unclean people things, or food. Now, kids, I can just hear you going home and saying, Pastor Amy said that Jesus doesn't even think we need to wash our hands before we eat dinner. That is not the takeaway. We are especially aware of the importance of what we eat and washing our hands before we eat as we hear about how the coronavirus was con tracted through animal contact in the food market and can be spread through germs on hands. Jesus actually thought it was a good idea to wash your hands to not get physically sick. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about our spiritual health and wholeness, our inner cleanliness. Food does not enter the heart, but the stomach. It is the things that enter the heart, like jealousy, anger, 
greed, self-aggrandizement, lust, lies that can take root in our hearts and come out in behaviors that damage relationships. Now that's the real dirt. And Jesus' list of dirty behaviors are some words that are a little bit strange to our modern ears, but they are fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, and folly. What he's really talking about are things that we feel and then do that can soil our souls. It's not what we touch or eat. Jesus contrasts the notion of the Corbin with the commandment to honor one's father and mother. And then he lifts up other commandments that not only can preserve one's inner purity, but the purity of our relationship with our neighbor. If we think of fornication as adultery, avarice as coveting, deceit and slander as bearing false witness, then there you have it. Seven of the 12 items on Jesus' list come directly from the second table in the Ten Commandments. That's the part of the commandments that deal with how we treat our neighbor. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you want to be clean, pray with the psalmist, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You should examine your hearts and conscience for all that is impure and give it over to God. This is deep spring cleaning. Going into every nook and cranny of our hearts and minds and rooting out dishonesty, egoism, need for control, fear, greed, racism, envy. He is telling us to be concerned about our own attitudes and behaviors not how we might look to others if they see us associating with the wrong people. And by the way, for a Christian, there is no wrong people. The Hebraic understanding of the heart is so much more than an organ pumping blood or the place where we feel warm, fuzzy feelings of infatuation that lead to Valentine's love cards. No, the Hebraic understanding of the heart was the very seat of the will. So to change our heart means to change our actions. Our psalm for today invites us into spiritual introspection and self-examination. To become intimately acquainted with our own hearts and the hidden motivations in them. If we don't turn inward and discover the root of sin within us, we will project evil outside of ourselves. The more we are in touch with the landscape of our own hearts and can honestly and humbly confess the good, the bad, and the ugly to God, the less likely we are to act on our worst instincts and the more likely we are to receive God's renewing grace and forgiveness. Now, regardless of whether you agree or not with Mitt Romney's decision to break from his own political party and declare Donald Trump guilty of abuse of power, you have to appreciate the deep examination of conscience he underwent. Mitt Romney is a deeply religious man, 
And he took his oath before God seriously and looked deep into his heart at what was motivating his actions, his voice, and his vote. His voice and his vote were courageous and costly, and he knew it would be. He has been called a traitor. He has been called to step down. He has been denounced for his position as being unloyal to the team. But he was honoring one of the Ten Commandments by not bearing what would have been for him false witness under oath. I, for one, deeply respect his moral conscience. His inner house cleaning and the integrity of putting his sense of right and wrong above his personal security and advancement. The call to self-examination is brutal. It's a spiritual discipline. This is why we have confession, not every once in a while, but every Sunday. And the more we do it, the more it becomes a habit of the heart. And habits become our lifestyle. And our lifestyle becomes who we are. This is what Jesus means to be clean before God. It is the willingness to wrestle with difficult moral dilemmas. The willingness to be honest with ourselves about what's motivating our behavior. The willingness to walk into those inner dark corners, overstuffed closets, and drawers full of secrets with the faith that the light of God's grace goes with us. My friends, we may not be a juror on an impeachment trial like Mitt Romney, but we are all standing under oath before God every day of our lives to not bear false witness against our neighbor, but to bear witness to the truth. I sometimes wonder if we even know what the truth is anymore. The truth is under assault right now with so much false news, infiltration of social media with manipulated images, facts, and narratives twisted and spun to serve economic and political agendas. I can't imagine living in a world where we lose touch with the truth, the difference between right and wrong, a clear understanding of what is real and not real. I believe the truth starts with us. I believe God has placed that truth in each and every human heart. We are called to clear away the clutter from our hearts and make room for God's truth. We are called to rigorous self-honesty through confession. We are called to courageous truth-telling through prophetic consciousness. And when we practice the inward journey into the depths of our own hearts, and listen for God's still small voice, we will discover the truth as a sword and a shield against all the lies that bombard us daily. As we head into the Lenten and spring season, clean your houses, but more importantly, clean your inner homes, your hearts, trusting that God will put a new and right spirit within you, a spirit of humility, honesty, and courageous truth. Amen.